Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. Hello gardening friends, we're looking forward to chatting with you today. Get in early with your questions because we do have a lot of interesting chats lined up for you throughout the morning. And when you call in, you'll be speaking to the gorgeous Bev Daring, researcher and chief garden show chef John Glidden is with us as well. And a big shout out to Chris Bartlett and Mark Carlton for starting the day in terrific style boys thank you and uh, you can tune in and hear chris again tomorrow evening if you like between 9 p.m and 12 with a relaxing music format called sunday soiree tune in why don't you and jim crinan wrapped up the breakfast show with his cycling update just now jim returns at 10 a.m this morning with the classic 70s for you faye what a lovely morning it is a lovely morning right yeah. The weather has just been glorious it's been and I'm thrilled to bits good. to hear 22 degrees overnight tonight. Beautiful for outdoor entertaining. Yes, oh 18 tonight, but it'll oh. be lovely because yes, you've got a you've got a little uh gig gig on tonight and uh, the dance floor is in, I believe. It is. Yahoo, sounds gorgeous. Where you, where have you got it set up? Where you on had the, the wedding? Sh- on the dead part of the front lawn, right? Oh, right. Okay. You it's can hide a multiple around. of sins with a dance floor. Why didn't I not think of that before? I know. Solution to your brown lawn problems. <laughs> yeah, put a dance floor in. No, that's, that'll be great. Looking forward to uh, an evening out on the green, so yes. to speak. It will be lovely. And, yeah, I think the temperatures will be just superb. So, uh, And it's, yeah, it's a pretty warm week. Just looking ahead, we've got 33s on Tuesday and Wednesday as well. So it's not bad, is it? Normally it hits the peak when the children go back to school and that will be Wednesday, but it's not too bad. Right now they're saying 34 and 35 at the end of the Mm. week, but that's that's a few days away yet and anything can happen between now and then. But Well, hey, it's summer and there's lots of good things about summer and the gardens at the moment then... They're not looking too bad, some They're of them. They're going pretty, pretty mm. good, I think. Yeah, all things considered, because we haven't had any real heat waves yet, have we? And We've we had haven't of... had the long, hot overnights. Mm. Like last night, there was a cool breeze. Yeah, Yesterday it was. morning, it was. it was a little cool. So mm. the plants mm. and us get a good reprieve. Yeah, we do. We do. And today we're chatting with, we have three guests and we have one joining us in the studio. And I'm looking forward to Nellie Tarchuk joining us from West Coast Frangipanis. She's a gorgeous girl, highly knowledgeable about frangies. She'll be joining us in the studio from about 20 to 9. At 20 past 8, which is coming up very soon, we're chatting with Rob Melville from Melville's Rose and Garden, talking about roses, obviously, and autumn pruning and any other issues, good and bad, going on out there around yes. roses at this time of the year. And we've also got a great interview with Julie Richards from Down to Earth Gardening. 
and uh, she just recently won a fantastic award on Australia Day so we'll be chatting about that as well and uh, what it is that Julie gets up to and uh, all the good things that she's doing out there. So we've got some really nice stuff happening as well as our emails and uh, looking forward to your calls, listeners, on 94841927, our $75 gift voucher to give away. And uh, on, it, on, and on it goes. Where shall we start? Oh, let's start with our attire, Ray. How good oh, are we all yeah. looking? Sporting our new native T-shirts, we, native John Plants. John put us all a T-shirt last week. And what does it say? It says... Australian Aus- Native Flowers. Yes. And we're all wearing it in honour of Oz Day. The girls. And the girls. And uh, by jolly, we look good. <laughs> well, and if just you want to check us of, out, kind of, just bit. go to the Curtain <laughs> uh, Radio page <laughs> under today's post. <laughs> and I've uploaded a photo much to the girls discuss. Well, yeah. my hair looks ridiculous. I wasn't oh, kind of... goodness It's very sake. early in the morning. I wasn't, I wasn't look, prepared. People are not even bothered about how we look. Until they only they, want to until see they the flowers. the screen with their fingers <laughs> and just think, oh, a bit of an extra roll there. <laughs> no, it it's all good. Who cares? You've got to roll with the We punches. are what we are and... Uh, but got, you know, we're getting on in years ourselves, aren't we, Faye? <laughs> I know. We're hitting the lovely 6-0 this year, right? We are, eh? and it is what it is, and uh, it's all good, and we're just grateful that we're here. That's how I look at it. Exactly. It's an honour. It is an honour to be here. How fortunate are we? And it's only because of you that I am here. So I see. I'm, I'm very grateful. <laughs> well, it is. Well, you're very welcome then, Faye. So I'm sure the listeners feel the very much the same way, having I'm, your company these past years. How many years has it been now? It's eight this year. You're joking. <laughs> I know. <gasps> Time flies when you're having yeah, fun, Ray. Wow. I wouldn't have even thought that. Okay. Yeah. I know. Scary, and, you know, how many more things do we know? Like when... When someone says, what do I do with my cymbidiums now that it's February? We say, well, put them them outside outside and water them late in the afternoon to encourage the flower spikes. Um, Simulate the the uh, monsoonal monsoonal rains. Do the same thing with your phalaenopsis orchids. Mm. Um, That's coming up in February. So I've shot off an email to Bruce Larson this morning. It's time we had a chat. Tee him up and... That also follows on from an email we got last week from Rob, who's trying to track down a Stanhopia Econuta orchid. Right. <laughs> and that is, do we know? Well, that's why we're going to talk to Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> okay, nothing like... Uh, we can't specialise in everything. Challenge. Yes, mm. no, it's all good. 94841927, let's start off with some emails. I got my Wordle done before I started, so I'm feeling quite happy. Not happy with... <laughs> the result but i got it done right done for the day i can't start my day so tell, until i've done tell wordle. people what it is ray mm. a lot of people would like it it's uh i do it on my phone it's online you go to new york times and uh it's just a little game of uh, guessing the word and you guess some letters and it's uh a little bit like playing crossword in a way i suppose and uh yeah i think it's, it's a bit, a bit of a like trend. mastermind too isn't it yeah but it's they've had some awful words in the last week so um it's sometimes yeah sometimes you jack it sometimes it's just a wild guess sometimes it's easy sometimes it's stupid but i compete with a girlfriend and uh on online you see she posts hers up on facebook and then i generally you know plan on beating her <laughs> and then we can post up you know pictures of each other poking our tongues out and all that sort of stuff you know how well and there's another one called 
Cordell. That's right. That's Q-U-O-R-D-L-E. Yeah. And I, yeah, I played You've had that a go sometimes. at those. Oh, yeah. It takes a bit of time, though. You've got to have the spare time. Yeah, I usually do it last thing at night or yeah. first thing in the yeah. morning. Yeah, I do mine first thing. Yeah, mm. but my brain's not firing at that time of the day either. I well, tend to wake good... up, reach for my phone and do it. And it's I'm... a good kicker. Probably, yes. But um, if I'm not reading about gardening, uh, that's my other mm. uh, uh, occupation, amongst many other things. Between the dog and the garden, there's not much time left over. Oh, now you've got a, got a nasty leaf in your hand. Well, it's a pretty daggy-looking leaf, mm. um, and Bev's quite distressed about it. It's mm. it's turned greyish silver, uh, and it's got black speckles all over it. It mm. was originally a beautiful glossy viburnum leaf, mm. and... It has been hit by one of the sap suckers. I I can't tell uh, exactly what they are because it's too small, but I shall be taking this home and looking under the microscope. I suspect it's chili thrips or no, some type of thrips. Whatever it is is very small and or it's moved on. But there's evidence or signs of little black spots, which could be... Um, Looks like an excreta. So why why do you suspect thrip? What because it's small, okay. and because uh, alternatively it could be something like spider mite. But there's no signs of webbing, webbing. and I would actually think I could see the spider mites. Um, and it definitely has looked like it's sucking the goodness out of the leaf. Something the chlorophyll mm. out of mm-hmm. the leaf. So mm. there there are a handful of different things that we know about, and who knows potentially. There could be something we don't know about mm. um, yet. But, yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll have a look under the microscope. Now, this week I noticed on some of my tomato plants, I also had a weed in the bed, the blackberry nightshade. They're all from the same family. Mm. And I had the same sort of silvering on the leaf. So I took it in and under the microscope yeah. and my thoughts were confirmed that it was red spider mite. Very fine webbing, which mm. you almost can't see until it builds up. And it's it's amazing. These little spider mites traverse along their webbing rather than on the leaf. Um, and there's lots of – there was also lots of eggs. So they're just like small glossy balls. Mm. As well, a couple of little black beetles moving around. Mm. And I thought, ooh, that could be good. So I had a close look under the microscope and I had to keep watching because I wasn't able to see them eating the actual mites. Um, and, and there is a range of spider mites, so I'm not sure which one it is. But the little black beetle, I did find sucking on one of and a couple of the eggs. So they suck the juice out, therefore rendering the population unviable. So I will probably take a sample and get that to Deepherd to see what it might be. A predatory ladybird, I suspect. Mm. And there are different ones. There is a stethorus that they use in integrated pest management. You you can buy them. But those ones have little brown legs, whereas mine have little black legs. And we're only talking about the size of two millimetres. Mm. So unless you were out there scanning and really looking closely, well, you wouldn't be aware of this. Mm. 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 We'll all have to get microscopes next. Oh, <laughs> oh Ray is so fascinating.
what there's a whole life that you would oh, uncover, isn't there? Yes, mm. you you just don't know. Well, this week I found a white fly, um, a dusky white fly. I can't remember the exact name of it, but it's only the second recorded sighting for Western Australia. Mm. It's very tiny. Mm. Um, so yeah, I was looking at eggs. I also found plant lice of which there are not many sightings. It was on a eucalypt and they were tiny black dots. So I put it under the microscope thinking they were eggs yeah. and it looked like little crystals and mm -hmm. I, got, I got an idea of plant lice. So I kept looking. But I then found another specimen that did look exactly like that, a flattened, black, glossy, almost like a trilobite with little legs and then a different stage, which was clear, not black, with the same sort of pattern. So flat on the leaf, very, very small on a gum tree. Most people would miss this stuff. Oh, absolutely. There's no I way. was out hunting at night and, and again during the day. I like to go out in the hottest part of the day on the hottest days. Is where you'll find the... You, you find different things. Okay. You find birds at ground level with mm. their wings out because yeah, they're trying cool. to cool themselves. Uh, wasps and other insects, flies will just hang on flowers trying to get cool. Mm. You, you just see such a variety of things at different times in different seasons. Mm. And you did a chat yesterday, was I it? I did, yes. Yeah. My favourite eat, pray, love... Um, and it's amazing that I put together in oh, 2017. And even when I look at some of the photos, like I, I've learnt so much more in that time, more in depth and it's just fascinating. Just and I love to share it. And one of the, the people in the audience, it was great to see Ron and Taya, the tulip people. Yes, yes, um, yes, we must, yes. But there was a lady there that came up to me afterwards and told me a story of something she'd seen and you know there's lots of wasps and of course the two worst ones are the introduced paper wasps they sting they're not nasty they give the rest of the wasps a bad name yeah but she had three nests along her fence line they hang under the ridge capping and she decided to just leave them but on two occasions now she has witnessed ravens coming in removing the nest from under the ridge capping, mm. pulling it out mm. and then continuing to take the caterpillars that have been provisioned in the nest oh. as a food source on two occasions, oh. but leaving the other two behind. I see. Mm. Yes. So, very crafty. You know, that's something I had never heard of before. Very I mean, crafty. watching birds and... And insects in the garden is fascinating. So I, I was encouraging so people to take their cup of tea out there, sit and watch for 10 minutes. So mm. put a table and a chair in the garden, mm. take your phone with you, and also remember to put out a bird bath. It can be an old frying pan or a casserole dish or anything that holds water. Mm. Put it out in the garden near a shrub so that the birds can flit in and out and hide and enjoy Enjoy nature. Enjoy the life. Mm. Absolutely. Okay, going to a short break. When we return, we're chatting with Margaret and we're also checking in with Rob Melville from Melville's Rose and Garden. Curtain Radio. 
This is The Gardening Show. You are with Ray and Faye. Very shortly, we're chatting with Rob Melville from Melville's Rose and Garden. If you have a garden question, you can always ring Bev and we can put it to Rob whilst we are chatting with him. Meanwhile, whilst we're waiting to get hold of uh, Rob, we're going to Mundaring. Margaret, good morning. Oh, good morning, girls. I was just wanting to get in early um, say I've got some good news because I had a call from Dr. Daryl Hardy in the ag department. Um, yes, yes. You know, um, I sent in a specimen because I found this thing which I identified as a tick because, yeah. you know, yeah. in my bush I have visits frequently from the kangaroos and I wanted this one identified and it's definitely a WA tick. And it was an adult, but it wasn't even quite as big as a pencil, you know, the end of a flat end of a pencil. Right. Mm. And it had a big, not a big, it had a small white dot in the middle of its back. And I thought, thank goodness we've got a way of identifying ticks because I know, and he said it was definitely a WA kangaroo tick, which is not dangerous to our or our animals right because I was worried that it might have been an invading eastern states tick which mm. are dangerous oh it's fascinating isn't it like when you realize how many varieties of tick they might be and like you say the that spot that identifies that it is a WA native so Margaret do, who you. would be the host would it be be hanging out waiting for a human to come along someone with a warm body or is it targeting more native furry animals for example well it it i must have brought it into the house because i had been out raking in my bush and it's a common occurrence for me after i've been raking that i can come home with little baby ticks but the baby ticks that um i found have found on me have been barely bigger than the biro point mm. on a piece of paper. Right. Yes, Real that is tiny. a good-sized tick. So this one I saw was a good size and it crawled across the TV guide that was sitting on my lap after I'd been raking. Um, so it was, you know, I'd brought it into the house. Yeah, mm. unwittingly. Um, but oh. at least I had an opportunity to get it identified. That was my relief. Well so done, Margaret. <laughs> Very it's, proactive. Yes, it's I, it's not I easy. That, I didn't know that the you know that because the babies don't have the spot obviously, mm. there, but there was such a big difference between the two sizes of, of this adult that I saw. So, just uh, you. Um, well, I thought you might already know the, about the white dot, but anyway, I'm no, but I'll put that on my list to talk to Doctor Darrell about. Yes, well, he did say that um, he's going to be coming on to the program occasionally this year too. Yeah. So yeah, we, we love having him on. Yes, he's so knowledgeable. So he is. Thanks for your time. All right, Take thanks care. a lot, Margaret. Okay, okay bye. Bye. bye for now. And uh, going straight to Rob Melville from Melville's Rose and Garden. Rob, how are you going? I'm well, ladies. How are you? Very we are good. Good. We're good. It's lovely to speak with you and thank you for coming on the show with us and, and sharing. How are things looking up at the or dare I ask at the Melville Rose Garden? Always magnificent, I know. 
Yeah, things are going well. Yeah, it's a little bit cold this morning. It's um, a bit a bit unusual. We're sort of rugged up today, which is unusual. Oh. But yeah, no, it's, it's things are going very well. And you've been busy, I guess. Yeah, we're full on budding at the moment, so we're getting all the babies ready for sale. So it's a, always a busy time summer for us. Um, so we only finished potting the other day, so uh, we've still got a bit to do. Wow. So what's involved in that, Rob? Because it's pretty yeah. pretty intense. overwhelming, isn't it? Pretty intense. Uh, yeah. It's a process, yeah. We So we, we, we strike the rootstock in the winter. Um, we pot it up sort of in uh, late spring, um, and then it's grafted. The different varieties are grafted um, sort of through de- December, January, February. Um, and then we, we try and process them so we can sell them as, as quickly as we can in anywhere from sort of March, April. So wow. it's, it's, it's a, there's a lot a lot goes into it. For sure. And have you got new varieties coming on the scene? Yeah, we just budded the new varieties uh, this week. So there's probably there's probably about 20 to 30 this oh, year. So wow. far. We, haven't got all, we haven't got all of them yet. But, um, yeah, there's, there's, there looks like there's some pretty good ones coming. We, we're not, not 100% sure yet until we get to look at them properly. But, um, yeah, very exciting. And yes. what are they or how are they different? Um, well, it's a good question. There's not they're not all they're not all different. There's obviously variances on on older older colours, but um, they're looking more now at disease resistance. is probably the biggest yeah. biggest thing. And um, look, there it's trial and error for us. We we certainly don't um, keep hold of them if they're not any different or any better than anything else. Um, mm-hmm. But you, you always get some some beauty. So we're hoping this year we'll get a few beauties. Mm. Good luck with that. So what should people be doing in their gardens right now with their roses? Look, summer pruning is very important for for, for roses this time of the year, um, basically reducing the plant down only a little bit, almost like taking a, a cut flower inside. You want to reduce the, the, the plant a little bit so that it doesn't get too yeah. unruly. Um, so... Basically, a summer prune is is a, a heavier deadhead, basically, and it just yeah. keeps the plant a bit in check. Would you say about a quarter of the? No, not, not quite. Not, well, depends depends on the rose. If it's a hybrid yeah. tea, definitely not. Um, mm. Basically, if you, if you look when when a flower comes out from from the main stem, uh, if you go under that stem to the next junction, mm. um, that's pretty much what it is. Because obviously, a plant when it because roses flower so much, mm. once you deadhead, um, you're getting a shoot coming off that, and then you got a, a shoot coming off the next bit. So just they just get a bit tall, I guess. And 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 this time of the year is when we can keep them in check. And that sort of carries us through to our winter pruning. Absolutely, yes, hundred percent. I mean, we still you can still deadhead all throughout the season, but yeah. this is just to, to to keep give them a bit of a. Rejuvenation. A, um, tidy up, yeah. yeah. Yeah, And is there anything else you do in conjunction with that, with the pruning? Uh, definitely you look at your your wetter soil situation, yeah. try and keep, make sure after a, I mean, it hasn't been a hot summer, but it's still been a summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure that the ground is nice and, and moist um, and fertilising, obviously, every six weeks. So I'd let you let your plants get a bit of bit of um, action happening and then, and then get into, into your feeding as well. And have you had much to do so far this year with the chili thrip that is around? Um, do you think it's as bad been, as it's been? I well, 
couple of couple of thoughts with that. I think a lot of people are, are have got a handle on it now, so so mm. we certainly don't get get many phone calls now. But there is still the odd person that yeah. that um, either hasn't had it or, or, yeah. or hasn't identified it before. So most definitely, I think this year is is from from my from what I'm hearing is it's not as bad and and it might still be early. But last year was was similar. It was more sort of February March that it was. More prevalent. Uh, worse. But, I mean, I, I, I. what about you guys? I know you've been on holidays, but is, have you had many calls? No, not yet. It's. Yeah. It does not seem to be as bad. I've almost got no evidence of That's it in I my think. garden where, mm. it, you know, I had some signs of it before, but I'm not seeing it at the moment. But I will take this opportunity to have a good cutback and mm. to, um, yeah, check on the condition of the soil. Uh, add some more fertilizer, slow release, dibble it in around the plant, like Bob used to say, and then I'll give it a, a mulch, and they'll be set up then. Yeah, I mean, I, I do, I do honestly think that people know what they're doing now, and a lot of people ask more questions probably through the winter spring period to, to know what to do. So um, hopefully that's that's holding everybody in good stead. Yeah, I think so too. Mm. I haven't really identified. Oh, it's around in my garden, but not to the quite to the uh, lengths. But as you say, we've got to get through February and March as well. They are the harder months. It's probably a good thing to keep out for whether people yeah. do do anything with it or not. Look for um, it. Look for I, it. I, you know, I, um, my go-to is just the spray of water over yeah. the foliage. So if I was out there, and I have have to admit I haven't been out there lately um, but it just perhaps is taken under control with, with some of those predators, the mm. lace wings which are pretty prevalent because the night times there's been a lot of insect activity around a lot of, lot of good guys moving around so Absolutely. that always helps. Yeah. And Rob um, up at your nursery too you I noticed that you're sort of branching out a little bit more you have a beautiful uh, selection of salvias and some lovely cottage plants, and uh, that makes it really interesting to drop in and uh, and and see you guys as well, because you can yeah, come, come away with all sorts of goodies and, yeah, un I mean, and unintended, but cannot live without. No, that's true. You know, they're such a good companion plant. Yes, for with roses, and a lot of people see what we've done and think, oh wow, well, I'd love to do that, uh, and. Um, they buy and do the same thing, so it's it's yeah it's it's quite heartwarming for Katie and I to 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 what people wanting to replicate what we've done. It's um yeah very humbling. And you have you been on Garden Gurus as yet, or when will that come to air? Garden yeah, Garden? that that came out in December. Did it? Okay. I... Um, yeah, no, it came out really well. It's um yeah, it was sort of brought a bit of a tear to our eye. It was beautiful. Ah. Never, you never really see your place like that unless it's. No, like so, yeah, no, it's, no, you don't. Yeah, you can't appreciate it quite the same. So it just made you no. sit back and and realise what what you have yeah. there. Oh well, wait, I'll I will um trace back on TV and watch that on playback. We'll, we'll find that and share it on Facebook. We shall. Yeah, mm. it's on. It's on nine nine now. I think. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, nine now. It's on. You can you can. So it was it a December um program. Yeah, it was okay. called the I, I, I can't the, the best of or something like that. Oh, okay. Um, they did old old shows and they did obviously new new yeah. new stories as well. So it it was it was sort of yeah beginning of December I think it was. Okay, excellent. We shall we shall hunt that down. Do you have any workshops or anything coming up this year, Rob? What are you, what no, are the plans? 
No, not not so much, Faye. No, we we might do a pruning pruning one this year again. Um, yeah. But uh, it's just too we're too busy at the moment yeah. to be able to do that. It's uh, it's hard. We want to give back, but it's hard to to keep yeah. keep things going as it is. Yeah, it's huge. And are you guys heading to Mifkus this year? No, no. We we've um we've done that. We've I mean we we will go back again at, mm. at some stage. What about yourself? I missed out, and the ticket prices were just through the roof. So yeah, the I, jury's still I'm out. Not. I'm not still undecided. I'd like to go, but yeah, I think there's a fair bit of price gouging, and I think I know that in Melbourne at the same weekend there's oh the, the Grand Prix on the same yeah. weekend. So accommodation, I left it too late yeah. to pick yeah. up the package, yeah. and that was there. I was yeah priced out of the market. <laughs> but anyway, the, next year and the flights would be crazy as well. Yeah, with, so with, I believe with the, with the Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah so exactly. I now, um. Last we spoke, um, you were looking into the garden festival. Rob, did you? How did you go with following up on that? No, again, we're a little bit. It's just a bit too much to do, and and as as everybody's experiencing at the moment, it is hard to find staff, and yeah. having to having to staff both is quite difficult. So, unfortunately, at this time, we're not going to to be going. Um, well, hey, look, you you've got a fantastic venue there. What you do, you do very well. Don't, yeah. My advice would be just don't try and do too much. Just well, you know, that's exactly right. You yeah, can't, you can't. You can only do what you can do. Do what you do, do well. Yeah, <laughs> boy, boy. <laughs> All right, Sounds Rob. Like we shall song. let you and Kate get on with your morning. I know it's busy time for you, and uh, thank you for chatting with us. And we hope that you guys will come into the studio and spend the morning with us soon absolutely we'd love to thank you very much ladies all right oh, take care Rob. of yourselves bye bye cheers bye. cheers for that okay lovely young man and uh if you haven't been to melville's rosen garden absolutely go uh you will not regret it, it... i bet it looks stunning right now the selvias would be cranking the oh, just so much just walk color. around there just you get to take there. souvenirs that's right it's They've just plants. wonderful wonderful and there's some other very good nurseries in that direction a car bigger trees is up that way you can make a make a morning or a day of it and uh yeah it, you'd be feasting if you head up in that carmel pickering brook direction there's a lot to see and doing great cafes up there it's a it's a lovely day out and the weather's fabulous. So do it. Do it, guys. Now, let's go to Meadow Springs. Talking about elephant ears, Brian. Hi. Morning, Brian. Morning, girls. How are you? Very good, thank you. I've got elephant ears, quite big elephant ears. And the outside of the on the rim of the leaf, they're starting to turn yellow. Mm, okay. And what I need to do. What sort of environment are they in? Is it protected or is it windy? No, there's no wind and they're under a patio. They don't get any sun at all. Okay. And how long have they been in? And is it ground or pot? They're in pots, yeah. Um, The one in the corner is going really well. The other three... Uh, like I said, the uh, the leaves are starting to turn yellow on the edges of them. Mm. I did give a bit of um, sea salt. Okay, so it it can be too much or too little water potentially. Mm-hmm. It could be a salt build up, 
And so if they haven't been repotted for a while or, or flushed out, fertiliser salts can build up. Um, yeah. If I had a photo, I could do some comparisons um, on mm-hmm. nutrient deficiencies. Yeah. But uh, I, I'd, I'd probably like to see a photo to go deeper yeah. into it. There's In the too morning, many what-ifs. Yeah. In the morning, um, the leaves drip water out of yeah. them. So. Yeah. That's um, transpiration? Yeah. So that's quite normal. Yeah. So I thought, well, if it's sucking the water up from the roots into the leaves, well, um, it's, it's they've got plenty of water. I water them every two or three days. They definitely like a lot of water. Well, and Brian, what class. sort of water are you using? Just just the skein water. Okay, and and that's the thing. You know, it could be the chlorine in the skein water because there's a lot of water going into the plant, and of course it yeah. it has yeah chemicals in it. So yeah. one thing that you could consider doing is having a separate uh, bucket of water and putting putting the water in there from the tap, the chlorine yeah. off gases in 24 hours. All right. So, you know, when you have evaporation, you also have a concentration of um, chemicals in water. And that's, yeah, it's a big topic, but, yeah, it's it's a thought. But a photo would be helpful. All right, girls. Mm. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Brian. Brian. Bye. (laughs) Bye. And it wouldn't be older leaves because sometimes they just have that natural. Yeah, they do. Um, Go off and you. And there is is a chart that I can refer to, Mm. and the deficiencies, if it is that, will show up certain patterns or colorings Mm. in certain parts of the leaves. Actually, Chris Oliver is very good at explaining this. He he looks at a leaf and he can tell you exactly what What's it is. What's going on? But there are there are so many options. You know, it comes down to the soil type that it's in, the water, because water is not just mm. water. Mm. <laughs> Look at my water. Yeah. Um, and then the the environment, mm. fertilizer, salt buildup. Yeah, so many, so mm. many. Uh, angles that must be considered now rosemary of warwick called in and she has a lavender plant that isn't looking great is mm. it a good time to prune and if so how much uh, yes lavenders often do need pruning and regular pruning so when you buy and plant a lavender the best time to start pruning it is straight away and giving it regular clips if you leave it and leave it and leave it and then all of a sudden it's growing over the path and you give it a good cut back you then can be cutting into dead wood that doesn't always regrow. So little and often, and I guess it's probably flowered. So I would give it a light trim now. It would certainly look better now. Then you'll get some regrowth, and then you can prune it again later. Um, Don't prune when it's going to be too hot, but in some cases you really don't have a choice if it is growing too much. Mm. And if you leave it, it'll be worse. Worse as mm. well. And Anna from Falcon wanted to know where she could get a princess rose from. Well, 
I don't know of a princess. But rose. Rob, Rob often mm. is listening to us. If mm. any, he very well maybe as they're working their away. Um, otherwise, we will track it down for you, Anna, and report back. Well, John's out there. He can yeah. have a Google and and often manages to find locate availability of plants. Yeah. And and he will tell us too what the princess what it rose looks like. Is, what it's that's the other thing, are. isn't it? Most important. Mm. All right, we shall return in a moment. Radio. You are with Ray and Faye listening to Let's Talk Gardening and we have been joined in the studio by Nelly Tarchel from West Coast Frangipanis. Good morning. We're still trying to get the headphones sorted. I must admire you, Nellie. You walked in and you went straight to work with Faye. <laughs> thank you very much. Good morning. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for trekking in and we will come straight back to you. Yes, Faye? Not sure, Ray. We'll see. Okay, okay. Uh, we're in Mandra. Lena, hi. How are you? Oh, hello. How are you? We're good, thanks, good. Lena. Good. Um, I'm ringing up because um, we get a lot of ants in both our grass and in the garden beds, and we're at a loss to know what to do. Mm, okay. I have had similar uh, issues in the lawn, and uh, there's there's a lot of ants thousands of varieties of ants, not all native, and they can do a lot of damage. They, they can do a lot of damage in paving, and, of course, they undermine the sand. You end up having to redo the paving, um, mm. and they can push out the native biota, particularly if you're trying to use your lawn area, not really great for um, kids them sitting down on. Uh, they can cause some nasty stings. Mm. Uh, one thing that you can do is take a sample and send it off to Deep Herd, Barren Hay Court in South Perth, and they will give you an identification on what type of ant it is and what sort of treatments are available. I must admit, in the past, I have looked to um, a, a commercial body to sort out my ant problem because we were getting a lot of sand hills on our paving and the alternative was we were going to have to repave if we didn't deal with them. So there are companies there that will treat the problem. Yeah, I actually done it last month as well. Mm. And if you've got ants in your in your soil, in your lawn, it's also another indicator that your soil is very dry because ants are actually loving the dry soil. So they're nesting there. So what you can do also, your lawn will definitely benefit from this. You can apply some wetting agent. Good tip, good tip. It's amazing though how they they can actually make the soil dry. Yep. You mm. you know, you can flood a pot plant, but they create like secretions and tunnels that yeah, just overcome all that too. So does that help, Lena? Oh, absolutely. Yes, thank you very much. Good. Um, as I said, we can sort of get these and see if we can find out what they are. Um, uh, the wetting agent, I think, is what we will try first. Definitely. Next, rather. Mm. Um, and then, uh, worst case, no, get a commercial person to come in and perhaps have a look at it for us. Great. All right. Thanks okay, for thank your call, you Lena. For help. Thank Cheers. you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. And let's go to Bell Divers talking about Hoya. Fran, good morning. Good morning to you. How can we help you, Fran? Um, I have got a Hoya which I have, it's a Hoya Potsai. 
I've had it for about five years, and I have not had one flower on it. Mm. What sort of situation is it in? It. I had it in the bathroom, but it wasn't in the bathroom that we use every day. It was in a in a second bathroom, so it was only when we had visitors. So it was occasionally that it had the benefit of the steam from there. Um, I had it there for about oh, two years, two and a half years, and I, I thought maybe it was in the wrong position. Moved it outside, I repotted it, uh, put it in a slightly bigger pot, but I've only got ordinary potting soil in it, a premium potting soil. Um, I feed it with orchid um, fertilizer. I had orchid sticks I was putting in it. Right. I, I water it um, depending on how dry the soil gets. It's usually only on a, once a week that I give it a bit of water. In the summer now, because it's outside, sometimes it gets water every maybe four or five days. Okay. That, yep, that all makes sense. I would say make sure it's in a position where it gets full sun, um, morning sun, not full sun. So they like the bright light and they need that to flower. But also for best results, your potting mix is really important. So one thing that we've learned over the last couple of years is that a potting mix that has also got, well, it's called an epiphyte mix. Uh, it'll have, it'll be light and open. It might have bark in it and perlite, some slow-release fertilizer, and it drains very well. They... They don't mind being pot-bound, but they don't necessarily like to be pot-bound. Um, having repotted it, you don't really need to do it again, but the mix is the one thing I think you could potentially mm. improve on. And okay. then it's a matter of time. Yeah. Liquid food at this and time light. of year. Light. Mm. Light. Yeah. Plants. Yeah, it gets a lot of light, but it doesn't actually get direct sunlight, where it is now on an open patio. Uh, which has two full sides open, um, and I've got it up against a wall. Uh, so it gets a lot of sunlight, but not direct sun. Have you pruned it at all? No. Okay. No, that's no. good, because sometimes you can cut off the flowers. I think, you know, the only other thing is uh, redoing the potting mix. Um, and okay. unfortunately, I don't think there's a commercial mix in a bag on the market. Nelly, would you? Maybe only mm. orchids mix. Oh, no, yeah. orchid only mix. orchids mix. And what I've noticed from my Hoyas, uh, they're all flowering at the minute, actually, and I'm very happy with that. I noticed that they really like to be in a tight pot. They like to be pot bound and root bound. You know, the, it's when they're in the bigger pot, they're not flowering as as good. I don't know for some reason. They they're just really happy in, in a small, tiny pot. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, and the fact that you have repotted it, don't yeah, you you wouldn't be in a hurry to put it into a bigger pot now. Yeah, they don't mind to be in a tight little pot at all, you know. I actually noticed that that's what they like, but it's just my observation. I mm. might be wrong. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. All right, good. Thank you very much. So there's no um specific fertilizers or feed that I should be giving it. I'm using fertilizer the... for orchids, granular ones, slow release, yeah. and it seems yeah. like they're it's really loving it. They're what doing about really a bit well. of potash? Would that help? Yeah, a little bit of potash with a good NPK and we've, and we've also got Hoyer societies here, friend, and uh, people that specialize oh, okay. in Hoyers. And well, 
as a matter of fact, on the 18th and 19th of February, there is a garden fair. The Hoya Society will be there. The Fern Society. Both of those people will be able to show you what sort of mix they like. And for me, that was a game changer. We've talked about this Mm -hmm. a few times when we bring a plant home from the shop. We don't always like what it's potted in. And if we pot it on to something, um, to a a specialised mix, the plants just go away and you don't have to do a lot to them. Slow-release fertiliser, water them. Exactly. That's it. Don't worry about them. Leave them alone. Just (laughs) feed them sometimes with orchid fertiliser. Really, they don't need much fuss around them. This is true. Okay, so where's the garden show? At the South Perth uh, Community Centre. Yeah. Sandgate Street. 18th and 19th. Yes. Good one to get along to, Fran. Mm. Good. Thank you. Okay. Bye for now. Okay. okay, thanks for your help. Thanks a million. You're welcome. Bye. Okay, we shall return in a moment. Radio. And we will be heading to the news at 9am. 94841927. Yes, Faye? John's come in. He and did it he's, again. He's done a search on the Princess Rose. Well, there are a few. There is Princess Charlene de Monaco. Ice Princess, Crown Princess Margareta, Princess Alexandra of Kent and Diana Princess of Wales. But not, nothing just called the Princess Rose. No, oh, not okay. there. Okay. Not in that lot, I'm afraid. Okay. Mm. Uh, let me see. We shall give away shortly the $75 gift voucher. I think we'll do that in the next hour after the news uh, from Bigger Trees. We've got that to look forward to. And coming up at five past nine, we are chatting with Julie Richards from Down to Earth Gardening. How did you come across this lady? I saw it on Facebook and I went, woohoo, someone I know that has received an Australia Day honour. I, I need to go back to the paper and just scan to see who I've missed, but yeah. there's always someone, yeah. you know, and I've, yeah. I've known Julie for a lot of years. We met oh, oh, maybe 13 or so years ago mm. and then I sort of lost touch and then found out that she was doing, uh, with her husband Gary, down-to-earth gardening and I saw them at Kalamunda Garden Festival and I know she's involved with the community garden at Byford. So, yeah, big a big sustainability um, advocate. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So, Nelly, let's talk about frangipanis, one of our favourite <laughs> subjects. I would love to. How have they been going? They've been doing really well. Yeah. Now they're all looking absolutely spectacular. They they're are. loving the weather. Yeah. And they're loving a bit of humidity. So, like mm. my all my front garden is in the full bloom and looking heavenly and smelling heavenly. Yeah, can imagine. Yeah, and area around the pool is also looking very tropical and just. I don't want to leave home. <laughs> you have a wonderful uh, Facebook page, don't you, called West Coast yeah. Frangipanis. Finally, I got it back. Got it back, yes. yeah. Oh, you got the page I, back. I got it back, but I'm so scared even to talk about this. You know, I don't want to mm. jinx it because it was a real pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but if people want to track you down, if they go to West Coast Frangipanis, yeah. they can become a member yeah, of definitely. your page. And yeah, and I got my group back, so everything is back to normal for the yeah. time being. Yeah. So Were you able to find out what the problem no, was? No, they never told me the no. reason, but I'm guessing that it's been hacked. Mm. And they told me that it's happening to quite a few people these days, unfortunately. Mm. But they're saying that I'm actually quite lucky that they were able to retain and restore my information because mm. so many people are actually losing their pages and groups forever. Oh. Yeah. Now, on this topic, it's 
It is very important. Security on the mm. internet is mm. very important, especially mm. when people are doing a lot of online banking. So I will take this opportunity to share with you something I learnt this week. I was told uh, by a friend, warned, that to his account one morning there was 9,500 attempts oh to log in no using a combination of common things. So if you ever, ever use your name in a password, change it now. Yeah. Upgrade your security. Change to something that's not, it's got to be off, you know, off the radar. Yeah, it yeah. can't be your name and it Something can't be your birthday. And let's not yeah. do one, two, three, four. Yeah. Because surely that's one of the 9,500. You must Jesus. protect that online security like you lock up your house. Yeah. So okay? this was to try and get into someone's bank account, yeah. obviously. Uh, to get into their email or, um, yeah. Yeah. You would imagine that the service would shut down and sense that that's some uh, sort of fraudulent th- activity. It's happening all the time, Ray. Mm. And let's face it, with with what we've seen with some of the the health companies and the technology telecommunications companies, it's happening. So change your passwords to something different. I did. And I also was advised to use something called like two-way authentificator. Yeah. So, for example, if anyone is attempting to hack your account, um, so that program kind of stops them and send you an information asking mm. to enter that specific security code that only you've got on that app. Yeah. So you, before you enter it, nobody can actually have any access to your account. Mm. So, well, I've done it. Let's see how it works. Let's see how you yeah. go. All right. Well, we're going to the nine o'clock news shortly. Doug, I see your call there. Uh, bear with us, young man, and we will be chatting about hibiscus on the other side of the nine o'clock news just a quick question for you a uh, couple of my frangies uh with the branches uh, only one branch is flowering well that happens oh yeah. does it, yeah, it happens a lot. sometimes they even just take a break and don't flower at all oh, this year they have yeah yeah that's what i'm saying all the time they only do what they like oh i yeah, see unfortunately I see. you cannot really force them you know to flower or to flower i was wondering what i was branch. doing wrong no mm. nothing you've done wrong have you fertilized it in spring yes yes yeah. so you've done everything yeah right. yeah, yeah slow release or uh i'm using npk and they're, yeah. they're no. young they're young frangies too so. Yeah, so actually it's a very good result oh is at it at least one branch is flowering already okay at least you've got flowers right yeah. <laughs> i've got some flowers yeah i just want more because i'm a greedy girl okay it's it's nice. 9am. 22.1 degrees right now, heading for a sunny maximum of 31. The humidity is sitting on 51%. The minimum overnight is forecast at 18 with a maximum tomorrow of 34. And for Monday, partly cloudy and a maximum of 34. And I can see for the rest of the week, we're looking at 33s. And 31. So it's uh, going to be a warmy week, but here we are in the middle of summer. This is what we expect. If it, as long as it's not a four, I used to say as long as there wasn't a three, mm. I'd be happy. But now I'm saying as long as there's not a four in front of it. Mind you, we did get to 39 last Saturday. That was a very warm day, but it dropped down a little bit the next day. It's the heat waves that do us the damage, isn't it? Mm. Do our the, gardens the, long, the damage? Mm. The that. Extended days and hot overnight temperatures. Yeah, 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 there's no reprieve. All right, now, as promised, we're in Lakelands. Doug, good morning and thank you for waiting. Oh, that's fine. I'm a very patient person. You sound it. (laughs) How can we help you, Doug? 
<laughs> um, I've got three hibiscuses in pots, and they've got a white powdery uh, looking substance with little bugs in it, and the bugs have got the white powder on them too. I've tried, I've tried a white oil spray, but that sort of didn't do much. I'm uh, just wondering if you can give me a hand with that. Sounds a little bit like merely bugs to me. Yeah, it yeah. does. Mm. Yeah, tiny, tiny little bugs. They're like not much bigger than a pinhead, but they're, they're, they're covered in this white powdery stuff, and the white powdery stuff is also on the, the leaves and on some of the, the uh, hibiscus as well. Okay, yep, sounds a, a little bit like their nesting ground, I think, or their breeding ground. Um, so they tend to like a dry environment. Um, once you've got them, they can also get down into your roots I would start with pruning off or removing the worst of the infestation if that doesn't mean taking away too much of your plant. Is that possible, Doug? Um, yeah, and it seems to be mainly on the, you know, when, when you cut them and you prune the back and you've got the tips. Uh, it seems to be mainly on the tips, but on some of the flowers that are coming out, they're actually on that as well. Okay, and I have noticed some aphids around too. Oh, thank you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The one I thought it possibly could be aphids because yep. like sounds like the aphids. aphids that are on the roses. If they're on the new right, roses, okay. Parts. Well, now I actually wouldn't do too much about this at all because my experience is once you've got aphids there, it's only a matter of time before you'll see the ladybugs in. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. if if they're bothering you then get the hose and just squirt them off with a, a jet of water and most of them won't come back. But the, the reason I would do that is because it then won't stop the ladybugs coming in and it certainly won't kill the ladybugs. Yeah, that's, oh, that's good. Yeah, And I, and I notice uh, when the buds are coming out for the flower, when the bud is first starting to come out and it's just a little green bulb, they seem to like that and the, there's quite a few on those. Yes, because there's moisture there. Yep. Yep. But yes, I've seen ladybirds around my hibiscus lately and it's because of the aphids and I I wouldn't worry about anything. Yesterday I gave a talk called Eat, Pray, Love and I explained to people that I actually got excited when I saw aphids because I knew that the good guys would be arriving within a few days. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) All right, that's very good. Thanks very much for your help. Okay, thanks, Doug. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And just quickly, Gail of Mullaloo called in and she used to work for a large IT company and they always advise to have at least two symbols in your passwords and to change your password Mm. monthly. Oh, wow. This is a thing. Yeah, Yeah, this is a thing. All right. Julie Richards is online. Now, Julie is from Down to Earth Gardening. Hello. Great to speak to you, Julie, with Ray and Faye and Nellie this morning. Oh, good morning. How are you all? Very good. good. And a big congratulations to you, Julie. Well done. Thank you. I was a bit shocked to be honest with you, but I'm 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 really happy about getting the award. Yes. Absolutely. Now I've got a little note here. And I will read it all to you. Julie Richards was awarded the Community Citizen of the Year in recognition of her efforts to promote food sustainability through the Byford Community Garden. Julie was instrumental in developing the Urban Agriculture Education Program, 
while also fostering the garden's relationship with Byford Baptist Church and Beyond Blue. Yeah, so that's, that's right. <laughs> amazing. Well done. And I know your garden is just incredible and, and all oh, the things you, you do. Tell us, tell the listeners what is in your garden, Julie. Oh, at my home garden or at the community? Yeah, your garden, home garden. Oh, um, my home garden is um, basically, I call it an edible, livable garden. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to plant as much as I could that I can eat, but also to encourage as many beneficial insects um, and just just to get that balance going. So we've got native edibles and cottage plants. Um, I sort of follow a no dig principle and so try and do my own composting and everything so I'm not bringing in many inputs and it's taken probably we've been in the property just over six years so it's taken that long now to get the balance right Um, so now yeah we've got our bandicoots we've got quenders we've got lizards we've got our birds and bees and everything and it's and listening to what you were just saying earlier um i'm the same i get excited when aphids come because i know (laughs) that all the good guys are coming as well um but yeah so we don't it's not the perfect garden you know that i've got weeds but i like weeds because weeds are doing a good job as well um so yeah what we try and do as you probably get from my accent i'm originally from london and i grew up um with growers like my grandparents were growers Gary's my husband's grandpa- grandparents were growers as well um, my granddad had fruit and veg markets in in Brighton in Sussex and wow. so we grew up eating but also um, not having a small space so what we try and encourage is and that's what happens at the community garden is getting people like not to be scared and thinking they've got to have a great big garden to eat you know, and to eat well, you can do it in a very small space, um, and you, you know, you don't need lots and lots of inputs either. You can you can get it going yourself. So, um, what we did um, at the community garden was, especially when COVID hit, like back in 2020, which seems like a lifetime ago now, but it does. Um, I was involved with the community garden volunteering, and Ellen Walker, who you yes. know from Earthwhile, um, she was one of the founding members of the community garden in Byford. And the bases that she put into the garden, we wanted to carry on, which was um, providing food for the community and also teaching and encouraging people to grow and eat healthily. So we followed on from that. But we, we found that so many people in Byford have got small gardens now they're on such small blocks but they all want to grow food and i think that became more prevalent in the last couple of years with like food insecurity people are really beginning to question where their food comes from how many food miles and you know when you've got floods and Mm -hmm. bridges collapsing you know and things like that it, it became a little bit more real to people so we followed um a man called nick rose in in eastern states he's got a company called that uh, was a non-for-profit and um, sustain and he really encourages growing food in an urban environment and sometimes people think urban they think of big cities but it, it's a town as well you know a village so it's encouraging people to grow more food and to be a bit more sustainable yeah so that's why we we started the program really with the encouragement of the Shire um, of Serpentine and Jaredale. They gave us a small grant at the garden, so we 
got together a programme <laughs> and it, we done over six months. We started it in October. We do a free workshop each month and we started doing them on a Wednesday afternoon at four o'clock, five o'clock because we found weekends were a bit tricky for families. Yes, definitely. And things. So it became really popular. So each month had a different focus. So we we started on like planting, space, beneficials, um, picking seeds, saving seeds, what to do with your produce. Um, and then we took over a big area in the garden that was neglected and it was about 60 square metres and we've mass planted it. Um, and then we found the Baptist Church in Byford do a wonderful thing every Thursday. They do a free food market and they're actually supporting about 250 families. And they're not families that you would think might need a lot of help. You know, everyone thinks old oh, food, food boxes go to the you know homeless, which they do. But a lot of these food boxes are just supporting the families that are just living on the line. You know, it's just giving them that little bit extra um, so they can feed their families healthily. And one of the things they said to us was they were lacking in nutrient-dense greens. They get a lot of food donated by the big supermarkets, but a lot of it is the staples. It's like bread and cakes and things like that. And they don't get a lot of what they call perishables. So we decided just to mass plant what we can grow, um, silver beet, chard, zucchinis, and it's been fantastic. So we we take masses of food down there every Thursday for the market, and it's given to the community. Oh, that's brilliant, Julie. Yeah. Sorry, I went on a bit then, didn't I? No, no, no. it's all very interesting, very interesting. Um, Tell us about your heirloom and open pollinated seeds. I wanted to know what open pollinated seeds actually means, Julie. Well, to me, um, open pollinated is a seed that can be pollinated either by an insect, by hand or by wind. So it's a a seed that tends to be an heirloom seed that hasn't been hybridised. So a lot of seeds you might see have got F1 written next to them and that means doesn't mean it's genetically modified because that's a bit of a scary word but it just means it's been bred to be like that and if you save that seed it might not be again do you know what i mean so something that's open pollinated so it it means if you if it's pollinated right you can save that seed and then you can then nurture that seed and grow it again and i find when i moved here um, from england i'm really Provenance is such a massive word to me. I really like to know. I'm, I'm always the person that asks the questions. You know, I was a kid at the back of the class. Uh-huh, with the hand, hand up. up. Yep. You know, mm. what's, that? what's that? Why? 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 <laughs> so, um, I'm the person at the farmer's market who wants to talk to the farmer. Like, mm. oh, you know, how's it grown? What do you do? And I found a really, well, actually it disturbed me a little bit when I moved here that 80, about 80% of the seeds that are available to purchase in Australia actually are grown overseas and they're brought into the country then sold. So they're, they're heirlooms. They could be heirlooms. They could be open pollinated, but they're not actually grown in Australia. Mm. So I was really keen yes. to get seeds that are grown in Australia, you know, because um, and then seeds that then you can then save yourself and grow yourself are going to be more used to the area and the climate of where you are because even Perth is so diverse. Mm. You know, you've got areas that have got different sands, different temperatures, coastal hills, 
you know, loamy, clay. So even if you, like, that's why I think community gardens and seed swapping events are so important because you can get seeds that are used to growing, you know, in your own soil. And that's, that's what I've, I'm really interested in. Yeah, so me and Gary ourselves with our little gardening thing, we import seeds from Tasmania under the Seed Freaks um, range because we know it's a seed farm and it's an Australian seed farm. Mm. They're actually growing the seeds there. They're not importing them from India, America, Europe, yeah. which a lot of seeds are, are grown. Mm. You know. So, yeah, it's just something that fascinates me. <laughs> Is your garden open at all, Julie? Me and Gary have got this policy that if our gates open, you can come in. Yeah, so, <laughs> we, so we, yes. That, yeah, it is. People can come round. All they got to do is contact me if they want to come round. Um, every Thursday, um, I started it during COVID because I came. I was actually over in London um, when COVID hit and with all the madness that was going on there before it happened in Australia. So when we came back. Um, after we had to do our quarantine for two weeks, um, we decided to open our garden every Thursday afternoon, about four o'clock, five, you know, four, four or five o'clock, um, to the locals for a, a produce swap. So people come and bring what they've got, you know, left over or what they've got a lot of. And, oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, and then people bring seeds and seedlings, and it's sort of, it's just nice. It is. It's nice because I've actually met people in my area that I didn't know um, and I've met some beautiful gardeners and I'm, I learn every day. So I'm not saying I'm an expert on anything because I am so open to learning and I'm always asking questions. How do you do that? How do you grow that? How do you do this? So as you probably know, Faye, because I've been here a few times, I'm, I'm the person with a thousand questions. So, yeah. Well, and that's how, how we learn because if I don't know the answer, I go off ask. researching. Yeah, that's right. Exactly it's right. all practice. And I see on yeah. your website, Julie, that you have a free gardening newsletter available for those that would like to join, well, your, it's, join it's, your group. It's in production. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's one of those things I keep thinking, I better do that. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. We are, we are literally, I'm just getting that, um, I'm a bit, I'm a bit like, oh, I want to do this, want to do this. And so I've just set up MailChimp. So, um, uh-huh. yes. I, I believe that's the best one. So, so I am going to do it. Watch this <laughs> space. So if anyone wants to find out more about Julie, down two as in the number two earth on facebook and i'm guessing you'll be at the calamunda garden festival too yeah i can't wait for that <laughs> i really can't wait because um last year was fantastic the, mm. the big one in may yeah. and then yeah. um then obviously it went on a hiatus which i totally understand um so i'm so looking forward to that uh, on the fifth yes yeah, so we will be there well we look um, forward to catching up with you there julie thank you very yeah. much for your time today we have to keep yeah. moving so we'll, no, we'll you. see thank you soon you. and well done thanks. thanks for calling me thank you very much okay all the best bye bye bye, bye. See ya. bye. bye. And that was uh, Julie Richards, who just recently won a Community Citizen of the Year Award. Well done. Curtain Radio in Perth. 23 minutes after 9, Jim Crinan will join you at 10am with the classic 70s. You're tuned to Let's Talk Gardening. Now, I have a $75 gift voucher to give away from Bigger Trees. 
Must be a Curtin FM member not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. And Bigger Trees specialise in frangipanis. Have you been to Bigger Trees, now? Many times. Oh, okay. I love them, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ornamental and fruit trees and currently... They have beautiful, colourful flower displays of fringes. Hibiscus are looking great. The crepe myrtles are flowering beautifully. Bougainvilliers, desert roses and Mandevilla. You can stroll through their large nursery and or check out the same online options at biggertrees.com.au. And they have a great Facebook page too to have a good browse of. Okay, they're located up in Pickering Brook. Now, this is another one of John's questions. Uh, Elton John sang Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. And he said he's going back to his plough, back to which two creatures in the woods? I will repeat the question. Elton John sang Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. And he said he's going back to his plough, back to which two creatures in the woods? Now, we only need you to name one of the two creatures that uh, is mentioned in the song. That will suffice for you to win the $75 Bigger Tree gift voucher. Give Bev a call now on 94841927. And you can blame John for this trickiness. He enjoys a bit of tricky. Okay, we are talking frangipanis. We're in Banjo. Mary, hi. Good morning. How is everyone? We're well, very good, thank Mary. You. How are you? Well, with this weather, it's terrific. It yeah. is. I've been able to get out for four months because I have a new knee. Oh. So I'm just starting to get around and everything's gone skew in the yes. on the property. But before I did this, we pruned lots and lots of multiple coloured frangipanis for a lady. And we have them. Um, I was told to hang them up. Some are two metres long. We haven't been able to put them in. Some are flowering upside down, just hanging on a rope. Okay. And uh, what do I do with them? How do I make sure that they're, they're going to survive? And, you know, I'm new to frangies. Go Nelly. <laughs> are they still yeah. cuttings, I believe? Yeah, they're cutting. Yeah, so said, you need to put them up, like actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they cannot stay we... upside down for a very long time. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They need to actually to go in the pot or in the ground. And how good is your soil? Is it clay or sandy soil? It's banjo sand. Yeah, mm. it's sand. So, well, you can do it. You, you can plant it in your sandy soil because if it's a clay, it's not really a good idea to do it, especially towards winter because it's getting waterlogged. But in the sandy soil, you can just stick them in water once and never again until you will see the new growth coming through. How deeply do we put them in? Do we, do we treat the cutting area? I mean, it's all dry now. You need to remove all the leaves and flowers, unfortunately, so it doesn't take yep. the energy from the cutting. And you stick it in probably like deep enough so it's stable. And right. Yeah, and then you w just water it in once and just leave it alone. How frequently do they need water? That I mean, you know, we've got an area where native bush is just dying back. So if we put them in that area, um, you know, are they going to require much watering? They don't need any water until they're cuttings because they have no roots actually to absorb any water or nutrients. So the idea is that you only water it once and leave it alone. So that will push the cutting, you know, to send these roots to look for the water. 
But if you will start watering them straight away, you know, they may rot or they just may become lazy and just they have enough of food of water. Why would I bother, you know, to send any roots? Just will be sitting there doing nothing. So you better just water once and let them be and let them work hard to send these roots we, Okay, we've got some reasonable quality um, clay, and, um, which is a, a nursery product. Um, and we've got mulch, you know, compost. Do we add any of that to the sand? You can mix in some some clay into your sand. Yeah, it's a good idea, but not too much. And you don't need to mulch them yet because that will conserve the moisture. And that's what you don't need right now until they become well-established and rooted frangipanis. For now, they're just cuttings. They only need very basic things. They need to be planted in the pot or in the ground watering once and just leave them alone making sure that they don't get too much moisture okay well i'm just hoping i'm going to end up with a frangipani grove you will <laughs> by the Lovely. sound of it <laughs> yeah. look forward to hearing more mary Okay. All right. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Bye-bye. And we have a Bigger Trees competition winner, Anne-Marie. Hi, Anne-Marie of Riverton. The voucher will be on its way to you this week. You will have fun spending that. Let us know what you do get with it. And the question was, Elton John sang goodbye Yellow Brick Road, and he said he's going back to his plough, back to which two creatures in the woods, and the line is back to the howling old owl in the woods hunting the horny back toad. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> okay, so congratulations, Anne-Marie. Very clever of you. All right, carry you on. You never know what you're going to hear on this show, never, do you? Never, <laughs> uh, Nellie, we've received an email from Robin of Kingsley, and she asks, can you please advise what type of pots frangipani should be potted into she has several cuttings around a meter long to be planted and wants to know how deep and wide also the best soil mix to use Uh, i would say that it's not really important what type of pot have you got if it's ceramic or plastic or whatever they're not really fussy the main thing that what you should care of you should you need to make sure that they've got lots of drainage holes you need to provide really good drainage for your cuttings and for your future established frangipanis so the main secret is actually good quality soil or potting mix that you're using in your pots it has to be really well draining it has to be good quality potting mix i'm personally using mostly osmocote or baileys yeah premium potting mix it's a bit more expensive but it's expensive for a reason because it's a premium potting mix it means that it's got everything in there that you need you know it's light it's airy it's full of nutrients it has slow release fertilizer and waiting agent in in there so you really want to give a good start to your cuttings so just don't try to save on the potting mix you better save on the pot you can get a cheap plastic pot with a few drainage holes but get a good quality potting mix and again when you start your cuttings just don't overwater it because they cannot absorb all this moisture yet. They don't need it, you know, until they actually get established. So just water once and forget. So one metre cuttings, how deep in the pot? Deep enough. You will need to probably to put it like at least 30, 40 centimetres deep, yeah. I would say. Yeah, mm. so it's stable or maybe even you can provide some support Stoke. you can stake it up yeah, yeah until it because it's roots. no good if they're moving in the no, pot no, is no. It? they have mm. to be secure and definitely we don't want it to fall over mm. that is great thank you 
And Kerry from Allenbrook has sent in some gorgeous photos of what she calls a large bromeliad. She's had it for several years and it is starting to flower. Can you give us the name of it and will the plant flower again or die? Can the actual parts of the flower section be repotted to produce new plants? Well, this is one of the giant forms called Alcantarias and they are amazing. It can be 8 to 20 years before they flower. They can be 1.5 metres wide and 2.5 to 3 metres when the flower spike goes up. Mm. So a real statement. They will actually take quite a bit of sun, um, but I'm not sure about our 40-degree sun. So Mm. I've got a couple in the garden and they, they get a little bit of filtered light. And... The plant, the flowers can actually hang around for up to 12 months. Wow. After which the plant will die, wow. the mother plant, but it puts All out pups. pups. Yeah. So, yeah, um, just enjoy it. Don't be in a hurry to to do anything with it. Just let nature take its Natural course. Progression. And then when it mm-hmm. does die, you can plant off the ups, offsets. Plant yeah. up the offsets. Yeah. So thank you for that. I, they're just a fantastic plant. And you will recognise them in the garden centres because they're yeah. so so a super-sized bromeliad. Yeah, they look impressive. Yeah. Yes. They don't need a lot of water. You just water yeah. into in the, the ground. The ground. Yeah. And, you know, they're one of the the plants that go in a tropical garden. Absolutely. But they're also kind of drought-hardy. Yes, So they don't need a lot of care. Yeah, wonderful. All right, we're in Beachborough. June, good morning. 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 Go ahead. Hi. I'm just ringing up because you were having um, frangipanis on. Yes. yes. I love frangipanis. I've got one I want to put into my son's place, and I wondered if I can transplant it now. It's got flowers and everything on it. Well, it's not ideal probably now because it's flowering. It's going to stress for right. sure and flowers going to flop and look a bit droopy. But if you really have to oh. do it now, just go for it and give it some diluted sea salt every now and then, probably like once a week for a couple of weeks and it will get back okay. to their normal state. But ideally, of course, it would be better to do it early autumn or next spring. But right. if you have to do it now, just go for it. No, it's just he, he's just moved into his independent living and his special needs, and he just loves his frangipani. <laughs> we, we had to leave a beautiful, huge one, and now he wants this other one. So I was going to try and see if I can get it transplanted. It's, it's definitely going to survive. You know, they're very hardy and forgiving, but the only thing that the flowers will look droopy for a while, but that's not a big deal. Uh, so. When is the best uh, time to plant it, Nelly? Best time, I would say it's mid-spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think oh. not even autumn, mid-spring, yeah, because it's just before the start of acting growing season. So it has a long time before uh. they go dormant again. Uh, well, I can't believe I put it in and it's, it's just absolutely beautiful. I'm going to put a stick in there. Yeah. It's yeah. just absolutely beautiful. So I'd really... I know, he's, he had one in his other house and it went absolutely mad. And the one I put in my house didn't do nothing. <laughs> I know, they're so unique and they're so different. I believe they all have like different personalities like humans, you know. Oh, de- yeah, yeah, definitely. Th- definitely. No, there are no two plants yeah. or trees the same, I would say. And I actually nah. plant them any time of the year because sometimes 
well, I just have to do it, you know. Yeah, Yeah. just time. I don't have time to do it any other time of the year or whatever. So I just do it and they're very forgiving and highly planned. So Nellie, I know it's not the time to feed them now, but what what is your feeding regime? Uh, it's quite simple. I only feed them in the beginning of the active growing season. It's mid-spring when you only see first leaves coming out. I feed them with a good dose of NPK and that's enough for them because you don't want to overfeed them and promote new growth closer to the dormancy in winter time. And the only important other critical thing that I do more than once a year, I apply waiting agent during summer, spring, autumn and winter, at least once a season because that makes sure that your frangipanis will not get waterlogged or in opposite they will get enough water from the water repellent sandy soil so that's even more important than feeding them i would say applying wetting agent to your soils thanks very much you're very welcome cheers thank you have a lovely day you too and we're heading to mosman park good morning lynette how are you oh Yes, good morning. Look, I have two magnificent French panties in my front garden. One's an evergreen and one's deciduous. Oh, wow. And the, the, um, they're amazing. Everybody sort of stops and admires them, but they mm. just constantly lose their leaves. Is this quite normal or is it just because they're so big that it's just a, do they, a procedure that they do? What time of the year they're losing their leaves? Just now. now. I might come home at night and the whole front gar- driveway is just covered in French penny leaves. I would mm. say they might be a bit stressed. Is it the older leaves, Lynette? Yes. But still, it, it's not the time to lose their leaves yet. I'm just wondering if they're getting enough of water. Do you ever use um, waiting well, agent? they get water three times a week. And do you I'm ever apply waiting agent? Um, I haven't actually done a wetting agent on them. I thought they kind of just look after themselves. Yeah, they but, do, um, but sometimes, again, by time, you know, sandy soil especially mm. gets very compacted and it mm. creates like a waxy layer on top of the sandy soil so water doesn't actually get through to the roots. So and especially on these hot days, like we had 39 degrees or similar a few days ago, they're really lacking some water and they're stressing a bit. So you really need to apply wetting agent. It will benefit from them. Apply it correctly. And any fertilizer? No, Sorry. it's it's not the time to fertilize them yet. You need to fertilize them next spring when they only wake up and come out of the dormancy. Now it's a bit too late to do that. But please do your wetting agent right now. Okay, Lynette, so not, there you go. It's not normal to put um, lose no, all the leaves. No, no, it's a are. bit too mm. early for them. No, it, it, it tells me like they're stressing a bit and maybe moisture doesn't get to the roots. Okay, all right, thank you. And what what fertilizer do you recommend in spring? I use NPK. NPK, yeah. okay, lovely. Thank you very much You're for your very help. You're welcome. Good Thanks, luck. Thanks, Lynette. Okay, and let me have a look at the time. Yes, we are in Dianella talking about rhubarb. Caroline, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, ladies. To Hello. All of you. Hi. Uh, I have a rhubarb that's just this side of being ripped out and thrown away. I get two leaves. It will never carry more than two leaves. When the third leaf comes up, one of the other ones dies. And the stalks are about three inches, four inches long. Then it never gets to rhubarb phase. I think it's hungry, Caroline. If it's in a pot, it needs a bigger pot. If it's in the ground, uh, then it needs more food. Food. Okay, then. Yep. 
I can do that. Yeah, because the fig tree that's in a pot next to it got a fig that's been there for weeks and weeks and it's still small and green. Mm. Hungry and bigger pots. Okay, lovely. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Caroline. Bye. Bye. And Lynn of Bedford has two-year-old frangipanis in pots, about half a metre tall. Plants have leaves, have not flowered. How often should she water? I would say they're not mature enough yet. They're still quite young. Two years old trees, they're not really mature yet, so you cannot expect them to give a massive uh, display of flowers. I would say that they start flowering really well about at least three, four years old. And you really need to work out how often you need to water them because it depends on your conditions. If they're in the pot or in the ground, you know, what sort of pot, if it's plastic or ceramic, what sort of potting mix you're using, how windy and sunny is in your place. What I do normally, it's very basic finger test. You just stick your finger in into your moisture down to the root zone and you feel if it's moist there or not. Make sure that your frangipani and the soil dries out completely before you water it again. And again, you don't give it a quick shower. You give it a good deep soak. So after you do your finger test for a couple of times, you will get a feeling how often your soil is drying out. So how often you need to water it. So you will get to it, but you need to work it out yourself. Just stick your finger in and have a feel. Okay. Thank you very much. Good advice. Thanks, We will be back in a moment. Thank you for your company this morning. Special guest in the studio with us, Nellie Tarchuk from West Coast Frangipanis. Doing an excellent job. And may I thank you? Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Well, we've actually got uh, an email that came in last week from Patricia and she has now sent photos of the underside of a frangipani leaf. We did mention this last week and... um, yeah, the, the leaves look like there's little crystals on them and a little bit of pitting or... Um, yeah, yeah. I, w- I wish I could see the leaf in reality because it's really a bit hard to judge from the pictures which are not very clear as well. The little crystals sometimes, I really need to see the texture. Mm. Sometimes this little crystal is just a dry sap and it, it's happening quite often, especially in the beginning of the season because of the bees. Bees are very active at that time of the year and they're really loving munching on frangipani's young tips. So it's just a leaking sap that dries out and becomes ah. like a sugary looking crystals. Nothing to worry about at all. So that's quite normal, just nothing to worry about. But also it looks to me, again, but I wish I could see it in reality, that it has a bit of pest present there as well. I don't see any webbing that would tell me that they're spiromites, but it looks like there's something there. Some of them really unwanted creatures. But I'm really scared, you know, to tell you for sure without seeing the leaves. So the best advice might be to get a sample of a leaf and take it to the local garden centre. Yeah, center. take it to the, mm. maybe to your local bindings and speak to a horticulturist. But from what I can see, what you can do, another thing, doesn't hurt. You can just try to wipe off all this substance and all these concerning powdery things that I can see on the leaves and try to spray it with a soapy water. It's not going to hurt your tree. But if there are any like sap sucking insects there or like any spider mites or mealybugs, I'm not sure what it is from these pictures, that might help. A, so- a soapy spray and then yeah. a closer yep. inspection if yep. if that doesn't improve things. Yep. Thank you, Nelly. Thank you. Okay. Are we going back out to the lines, Faye? Yes. You're good. 
Okay, we are in Mandra. Maggie, good morning. Hi, Maggie. Oh, good morning, ladies. Good morning, ladies. Um, I have a geranium madarant. Yes. And it was doing absolutely beautiful. I got it from a friend in um, Nanup. And it was just three foot wide and three foot high and the leaves were green and beautiful and everything. And uh, and it says it likes shade or the patio. Well, I stuck it under the under the lemonade tree and it does get shade most of the day. But because it was hot, I kept watering it like mad and I think I've overwatered it. It's mm. all gone. <laughs> all the bottom leaves are dead and I, I just scared stiff I'm going to lose it. Is it too much water? Well, it it could well be. Uh, the other thing is the potting mix. What what is the condition of the potting mix? Is it um, hydrophobic and the water is just draining through? Or? Oh no, no, no! It's really, really wet, and it's good, good potting mix. Absolutely good one. And also, too, um, it hasn't been in that pot for uh, more than six months. Um, I had it in a little pot and it put it into a big one. It's just grown like mad, and then all of a sudden, it just started dropping off the leaves at the bottom, not dropping them off, but just dying them off. Mm. Oh, I'm so worried I'll lose it. Ooh, I I don't know. I, I'd amazing. almost be tempted to put it in the ground so it doesn't stay so wet because they're a pretty hardy plant. I'm thinking to pull it out and have a look at the roots to see if they're okay. rotting from the bottom or not and maybe report it or plant it in the ground. Certainly getting mm-hmm. it out of the pot, you can really see what's going on, Maggie. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't got enough shady places to put it in the in in the ground. I haven't got any shady mm. places. Right, go go and get the pot, tip it out yeah. gently, have a look. Yeah. If you need to, call us back. All right then. Okay, thank you so much, dear. Okay, thanks, Maggie. I'll probably ring you next week. All right. Good All luck. Good. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Okay. Right, bye. Okay, we're going to Morley talking about Gerberas. Gloria, hello. Oh, hello, how are you? Good, Good thanks, Gloria. Thank you. Yeah, I've got these Gerberas. They're growing beautiful, thick and green and bushy, but no flowers. I'm giving it NPK, but nothing. Mm. Well, I remember a man called Mark that used to have a, an abundance of Gerbera flowers and he would feed his plants weekly. Uh, back yeah. in those days, it was a product called Fostrogen, which is a, a fertilizer, liquid fertilizer that you mix up for flowering plants. But you could yeah. use Thrive, um, Miracle Grow, Power Feed, any of those, and mm-hmm. and feed them weekly. I and thought I can, the NPK would work. Yes, well, it does. Is it a slow release or? Yeah. Yeah, and that's good in the background. But you want a bit yeah. of a booster, yeah. Oh, so okay. try That's try right. liquid as yeah. well to kick it on. Okay then. Something with I'll potassium. See in what it. happens. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thanks, That's Gloria. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Bye. Now, Nelly, we received a, an inquiry from Richard, and he wants to know of a good app that one could design for herb gardens. Do you come across anything? No, unfortunately, I never came across of any apps for designing herb mm. gardens. I don't know even what sort of design 
of Puya Herb Gardens he's looking for, to be honest. I know. If you, ideas. If you Google. But just to get some ideas, yeah. I'm using Pinterest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can see so many good ideas on there or even just Google Images. You just type in like Herb Gardens and there are so many beautiful images coming up that can give you a rough idea or to start with. It's mm. very addictive. Absolutely. Like there's Keyhole Gardens, there's Mandala Gardens. Yeah. Uh, but yes, looking at, at images, putting in that keyword yep. of herb garden design, Pinterest, Instagram and Google and you'll just yeah. you'll you'll find too, a lot of things. It just blows my mind. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> but it, when you've got those ideas in your head, you start to be able to narrow down. I don't know. Back back yeah. in the day, I'd go to bed and I would Google bug hotels. I'd save all the images. <laughs> so and then, then I'm creating a folder and I save all the images that I liked at first look. Yeah. And then I am keep selecting them and deleting yeah. the ones that are probably not the best for yeah. this time already. Yeah. And I'm narrowing down to yeah. just a few and take it from there. Yeah. Way to go. Now we have received an email uh, about pumpkins from Matthew and he's got some gorgeous button-up pumpkins growing here. He said, also rock melons are getting to about the size of a 20 cent piece, then turning yellow and dropping off. So possibly that could be a, a pollination issue. Um, I, I'm assuming that they're getting plenty of moisture and they've got some food in the ground. Once again, I, I like a liquid uh, to really push things along. Uh, the, Jap, the Jap pumpkins are growing, but the same thing's happening. So definitely you can get out there early in the morning and you can cross-pollinate or pollinate your own plants and you're looking for two different flower types. So one that if you peel away the petals looks like a paintbrush um, and you Take that over to the one that is the female and you give it a little dust and that might help. Mm. So temperature is also a factor in uh, pollination. So, But I think the, the temperatures have been mild, so yes. I think it's going to be all right. And we probably have got a bit of growing season left. But also if the, the plants alter from what you originally... Uh, planted exam as a an example is the shapes then it can be cross-pollinated so something nearby that might be growing that's in the same family the bees will pick up the pollen and they'll bring Pop it in. over so you mm. can end up with a pumpkin that looks like a zucchini or something right. similar okay. hmm. i'm growing butternut pumpkins at the moment are the you fence. yeah Oh, cool. <laughs> pumpkin she, she who doesn't pumpkin grow vegetables scones. and I don't, eh? Oh, pumpkin yeah. scones? Yeah. Oh, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're going well, growing up the fence. Oh, look at that time, Ray. Okay. Thank you for reminding me. Curtain Radio. You're tuned to Let's Talk Gardening. Special guest this morning, Nelly Tucharchuk. Sorry, I nearly called you um, Tuchek because we often have Mark Tuchek uh, in the studios with us. Tarchuk, I should say, from West Coast Frangipanis. And a wonderful Facebook page does Nelly have. And uh, you have loads of members and loads of information and the photos are amazing. And Thank if I had 10 much. acres, I'd have all of them, let me tell you. Oh, that's my dream. I know. <laughs> Maybe I know. one day. <laughs> do you have a favourite? They change every year. Yeah, of course know? they do. Yeah. yeah. I have very few 
permanent favorites, but then yeah. I add to this list every single year. Yeah. And they change because some new cultivars are starting to flower for the first time and I fall in love with them and it becomes my new favorite. Yeah. But So my list is growing <laughs> all the time. Of course. Yeah. yeah, no, that was a tongue-in-cheek question. Well, yeah. and you don't have to have a favorite because do you not graft multiple varieties onto one tree, Nelly? Yes, I do. Oh, that's so exciting. Yes, I, I saw that. Doing it. I saw that, how, how gorgeous that is going to be. They are. I've made a Christmas gift to myself. Good on it's you. Another, I grafted another tree for myself. It had 21 color on there. And they're all 21 new cultivars for me. So and they're all taken now. It's a way to do it, isn't it? Yes. It, it's, I don't know. And I'm always choosing the perfect symmetrical type and shape of the tree mm. that already looks like a statement. Yeah. yeah. Even if it's just a single color. And so every single branch is proportional, same length and same space between every single branch and now it has like 21 new cultivar on there and mm. all taken all new leaves are coming through so i moved it to a very special spot by the pool and i'm looking forward to see some flowers next see year what comes out well yeah. i do hope your security is up yeah. With, yeah with what it needs to be well yeah. i'm doing my best but then i'm thinking you cannot live every day being worried and being scared of the things that might happen you know no. like i just hope that everything will be fine and whatever happens well have to live with it and accept it mm, yeah i agree now we do have a plant to give away uh it's a cast iron plant which is the aspidistra and the lady's name is fran it's in Kelmscott, and it's quite a large plant if you would like it we do have fran's number to pass on to you in Kelmscott. so cast iron plant akar aspidistra uh she'd like it to go to a good home okay Another email has come in from Alec and he has a two and a half metre mango tree in a large pot. When he went to move it, he found that he says the taproot had gone into the ground. Now, the question is, will it live if I cut the taproot? I'm thinking it may or may not be a taproot, depending on how the plant has been grown. Uh, but Nellie and I were discussing this. If, if it is in a pot and you have to move it, you really have to bite the bullet. Mangoes are a tree that can be moved around. Um, but of course, we think the magic ingredient is when you do it and put it into either a bigger pot or into the ground, give it the magic seesaw because that works very well for transplanting. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just, you have to do it. You really don't have a choice. Mm. A lovely photo came in from Betty of Greenwood and she's sharing her joy of blue banded bees oh, that are roosting that? in yeah. her garden. Mm. Oh, just, yeah. Magical. That, there's a lot of blue banded bees around this year, and a lot of people are finding them nesting in the ground as well as the boys roosting nearby. I was nearby. going to say, and there's a, a picture of the males that. That's the, that, the yeah. males, yeah. yes. Yeah, exactly. On so one. there's. Two, four, there's five clustered together on the end of a grassy stem. Simple yeah, as that. So if you like. go out at night or even as the sun is setting, sometimes you see them buzzing around for pole position. They shuffle and jiggle and they'll fly off. And then eventually when the sun has gone down, that's it. And they're in that position until daylight the next morning. So if you go around with a torch at night and scan leaves with your eyes, headlight on, you may well find something. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, now we have a poem here from Bill Massey, 
And do we have something else that you'd like to cover, Faye, or are you just looking I'm at the I'm just time? checking. All right. Now, Bill, uh, from time to time, sends us in all sorts of things on email, doesn't he? He's quite an inventive man. And now he's also the fireside poet. So just bear with me. Uh, I will get through this as quickly as I can. As I lay here in my hammock, watching flowers grow, many varieties, some I do not even know. An abundance of colours, some dark and some very bright. They come out in the morning and go to sleep at night. Every plant in the garden all require care. They will not grow if you are stuck in your armchair. When you get up in the morning, go and have a look. Even if you have one, take out your gardening book. Go and treasure your garden and every single plant because the day will come when you wish you did and now you can't. Thank you, Bill Massey, <laughs> for your poem. We I think that's excellent. It. Well, yeah, big job. And, okay, we better start wrapping up. Faye Caro. Next week we have Ellen Walker from Earthwild on the show talking about soil science. And we will be following up with more emails and questions that come in during the week. Thank you, Nelly. It's been Thank a pleasure. Thank you so much, Thank Nelly. Thank you very having much for you. having me. Yeah, no, you're an absolute delight always. Thank and you. thanking the team, Bev Daring and John Glidden. Up next, uh, our cycling DJ, Jim Crinan, with the classic 70s for you. And my gardenism for the morning is show me your garden and I shall tell you who you are. Yes, oh. yes indeed. <laughs> okay, everyone, great morning. Thank you for your company. Happy gardening. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.